0: I'm Paul Kurtz with John McDevitt, and we are the Beer and Booze Bros.
1: Ah. Wait, you don't do that?
0: (laughs) I didn't either, but you were so proud of yourself.
2: Ah. (laughs) My two favorite things, spirits and spirits.
0: That actually may have been good.
3: Really?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay.
3: On today's episode, we have a David and Goliath story out of New Jersey micro and nano breweries. ...are under siege from state
4: leaders. They were not expecting people to be as vocal as they would be in support of the breweries.
3: We think that the breweries are not abiding by a law that limits the activity involving food and entertainment.
4: Craft beer consumers said, wait, this is what we've come to expect from breweries. This is what breweries across the nation are. Why is New Jersey different?
0: Later in the podcast, two dim bulbs check out the smartest guys in the room when it comes to mixing cocktails, and we actually learn a few things. Imagine that.
1: Well, they're all plants, so that's a good place to start. Um, (laughs) Did you know that, Paul? Wow. I learn something every day. (laughs) That is is lesson one for Bar Stupid. (laughs)
3: Then we head over to 6th and Walnut Streets. PJ Clark's restaurant bar is now open. We learn that the mixers in a good drink are just as important as the alcohol.
5: Our selection alone in tonics, specifically, we have a uh, Fever Tree Indian, uh, Mediterranean, we have an Elderflower, uh, Bitter Lemon, uh, classic tonic. And then we have Aromatic, which has a little touch of Angostura bitters.
0: A Food Network funny guy, Guy Fieri, sits down with John to talk about a revamped menu for food and beverages. Let me get that out of the way for you.
6: (laughs) you. He's throwing silverware around the restaurant right now and causing, raising, raising, really raising hell. I remember the first time I came to Philly, I came here to shoot Diners, Drivers, and Dives. And... I just remember going, so much has happened in this city. And I said, man, one day I'd love to open a restaurant here.
3: And what do you get when you put a flamboyant lady lounge lizard with a craving for human flesh in a speakeasy outside Al Capone's prison cell? Uh, John's new girlfriend? You feed off their your audience.
0: Oh,
2: absolutely. I feed off their souls. I feed off their energy. I mostly stick to the bones. I like to just nibble on the bones, you know. I'm that kind of gal. You gotta watch the figure sometimes, you know. That's why liquid lunch for me a lot of the time. But so people love the giggle juice. You know, they get spooked up real good, they come through our doors, and they just wanna get down with that giggle juice, my darling.
3: All let's let's get let's get on with this episode.
0: In September, the New Jersey Division of Alcoholic Beverage Control, or
3: ABC, issued rules for microbreweries in the state. It limited food consumption, entertainment, and the most controversial of all, limiting special events to just 25 a year. Many owners of breweries saying that would be devastating to business, community partners, politicians, and the craft beer-drinking public voiced displeasure. There were even
0: online petitions against it. Some in favor of regulations say they're necessary to define a bar from a tasting room. A license for a bar costs considerably more than a license for a microbrewery.
3: But on October 2nd, about a week or so later, the ABC lifted the regs so it could investigate further and potentially work with lawmakers to write a new legislation. The bros took a ride to the small town of Pittman, New Jersey, to Human Village Brewery, a nano brewery, and spoke with Megan Myers, the co-founder. First, we hear about the issues. We spoke with her when the regulations were in effect. Then we went back a short time later when the regulations were lifted. The New Jersey ABC, they came down with these regulations. Yes. No, no warning. It it, it has to do with entertainment. It has to do with food. And I I think one of the most controversial parts of this is the limiting events at the Tasting Room to 25 a year.
4: Absolutely. I would say that for... The small Main Street breweries, that's the one that's going to have the hardest economic impact, both with the breweries ourselves and our communities, um, because the events become a draw for our Main Streets, that we do everything we can to support. You all help one another Absolutely. Well, in a Main Street community, this is a... this is a microcosm. The business is to have to help and support each other. So we had Sip and Stretch on Sunday mornings. Um, we had a with young... The, with a yoga studio. With a yoga studio. You know, it was so much fun. i got to learn some yoga. It was so much fun. <laughs> Half the guys who showed up the first time, we were not expecting this, were ex-Marines. And so they were just like, cool, we'll do yoga if it's in a brewery. Yeah. And so we went, they, the yoga studio was amazed because they got to reach a completely different art, uh, audience who might not have walked in with their yoga mat under their arm and said, let's do this and we you know we just did a sketch and sip with a graphic design studio a couple of young guys who started their own firm and these kind of events help them reach out as well and reach new customers and make themselves known in a way that just you know paying to place ads can't these new regulations uh, are they going to threaten your livelihood absolutely and i can't say that we're not scared There was no time to even adjust our business practices or see what we could do to grandfather in these new requirements. There was no grace period given to the breweries. It was now effective now. You know, when we are so dependent on sales out of our tap room, it allows us to generate the revenues that we need then to grow. And so this is going to be really stifling to our ability to grow.
3: We politicians, have uh, politicians chiming in now, including uh, the governor, Governor Murphy, uh, saying he's going to be looking into this.
4: It's supportive. We need them to act on it, too. So yeah. I'll leave it at that. Please yeah. look into it and then follow it with action. Yeah. You're skeptical? I'm not skeptical. I just it can't. You know, the state said that this is going on on a trial experimental basis. Um, and it was would be a year-long ruling. The problem is our mortgages are not due on a trial experimental basis. So the longer it will take to get action, the more impact we're going to feel.
3: We wrapped up the interview and headed home, and we got a call, right, Paul? We got a call from our uh, news desk, and <laughs> we're almost home. And
0: our editor says, hey, uh, things have changed. The regulations have been lifted, It kind of like a ceasefire for now, and had to turn back around.
3: All right, so we have breaking news, Paul. Breaking news, John. We we had to come
4: back. Yes.
3: Okay, (laughs) Megan, this is crazy. What's your reaction? What happened?
4: All right, so we just received an official statement from the state of New Jersey saying that the enforcement of the special ruling has been suspended pending further investigation, and they're looking at addressing this on the legislative level. So what's your reaction to that? This is a ceasefire. (laughs) My reaction (laughs) is that we get a breather, we get some time to regroup, but there is going to be a fight ahead against very large, very well-funded, and tremendously organized special interests. How are you going to fight that? Again, we're going to take our ceasefire to regroup and come up with a plan, but there really does need to be an omnibus bill. This had to happen as the next logical step uh, to really clarify what groundwork the 2012 laws laid and respond to a changing industry. Um, so it is both good, but it's not going to be easy. So it's not over yet? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Look, we've shown, first and foremost, that if anything else, the craft beer consumer is a vocal one. (laughs) But this is not a time to rest on our heels and say we won and pat ourselves on the back too hard because the next step and getting something through legislation is going to be even more difficult. We're going to see what uh, what can be accomplished now, though open for public comment and out in the open in the state legislature. Open for public comment. Correct. The special ruling was a way to hand down um, a new set of Things the breweries must be abide by. However, there was no public comment period. To issue regulations would have required a certain public comment period. Um, A legislative process, of course, is open to public comment uh, with the legislators and in the state house. So this this was done in a way that completely skirted public comment. Hmm. Why do you think they backed down for the moment? I think they backed down because. They were not expecting people to be as vocal as they would be in support of the breweries. I think that they had also heard the story so much that this is what people want. It's going to create fairness. It's not going to cause a problem. And in a loud and resounding voice, the craft beer consumer said, wait, this is what we've come to expect from breweries. This is what breweries across the nation are. Why is New Jersey different? And they had to respond. Because ultimately, it's the voting public who are also the beer drinking public that are going to put the legislators in the state house to act. How about that, John? Yeah, uh, I'm glad we came back. Thank you, thank yeah. you guys. But still, you know what? We'll take a small victory for right now. So yeah. I will take a few minutes to smile and well, and yeah. take a breath. Yeah, you,
0: <laughs> you don't have to worry about you know the agents
4: coming in and checking out what you're doing and. Well, you know we're going to continue to operate on the up and up as we always have, but it means that we're going to be able to do open mics, we're going to able be able to do our fundraisers, and be able to partner with the yoga studios and continue doing the good work that uh, everybody's trying to do here in Pittman.
3: Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, I really guys. It.
0: Bar smarts, John? Yes, smarts for bars smarts for bars we learned all about bar smarts uh, that, that's the acclaimed online bartender education program and its parent company Pernod ricard recently brought some of the best bartenders in the business to philly to share their knowledge with about a hundred or so others who uh, want to take their mixology
3: game to the next level we hung out with kevin denton twice actually he's bar smarts senior manager
1: So today is BarSmart's Advanced, and the day is broken up into three main components. So everyone has just been led in a blind category tasting. So what that means is they sit down, there's six glasses, wine glasses in front of them with a couple different colored spirits. They know it's alcohol, but they don't necessarily know what it is. And through a process of deductive reasoning led by our, really the luminaries in the bar business, they start to think about spirits as far as, okay, what's the category? Is this vodka? Is this gin? Is it whiskey? Then they drill down on, you know, what are the fruit components? What are the spice components? Really dissecting the spirit, trying to deduce what it is. And, you know, the really good people can even identify it by brand. And, and this sense of smell is extremely important in all this, right? Well, we have... Um, Scientists say you have in the tens of thousands of uh, taste receptors on your tongue, whereas your olfactory sense has over million, has millions of receptors. So getting in, nosing the spirit, understanding the smell first is the great way to go about deductive uh, reasoning on this.
0: First question, do you have a bar stupid program? Because that's where yeah. been, we should start. With a, um, but I heard them talking about botanicals in there. Like are There are <laughs> 20 botanicals in this. What,
1: what is that? Well, they're all plants, so that's a good place to start. Um, <laughs> Did you know that? Paul? Wow, I learned something every day. <laughs> that is uh, that is lesson one for Bar Stupid. <laughs> Botanical is a broad term, so it can, you know, it can be seeds, it can be roots, it can be bark, um, but it's the way that um, humans over history have taken certain elements of plants something you know some take fennel for example it has a base taste or aroma of anise of licorice Mm uh but fennel root compared to fennel bulb compared to fennel seed they all have very different attributes so a different part of the plant or the root is is it, it makes obviously taste different just uh
3: so what's in it for them So why are they here? Why didn't they just take the online course? Why didn't they go to their local, wherever you're offering it in their local town or city? Why here? So if you're a... Are they glasses? Or are they... Stemware uh is very important, right? Stemware is
0: very important. That's another good... stupid, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, Bars. You know, watching uh, a video of someone uh, playing a Jimmy Page lick is a great way to learn it but wouldn't you like to go learn that lick from Jimmy Page himself so who do you have in uh, mixologist royalty here I mean, the first one you'd have to talk about is Dale DeGroff. He, uh, aka King Cocktail, this renaissance in drinking and cocktail culture that came about about 20, 25 years ago, all started with that guy. He was uh, hired by Joe Baum, the uh, legendary New York restaurateur, to run the bar at the Rainbow Room. And at the time, you know, we considered this the dark ages of drinking in the uh, in the seventies and eighties when everything came out of a gun or a powdered mix. Dale was the guy that. Looked at uh, the Bon Vivant's Companion, which was the first cocktail book ever written by Jerry Thomas in uh, the 1860s. Joe Baum said, I want you to do drinks like this. And so and he's from here. that, he's here. and he is leading the next uh, conversation. Presentation says a lot, right? I mean, yeah. But well, is there anything you don't get getting at, right? Does the crystal clear ice make the drink taste better? No. Do the little handlebar mustaches uh, affect the, uh, the sourness of your whiskey sour? No. But all of that adds up to theater, and that's why we go out. That's why we don't drink at home, because we need that theater. We need that little escape uh, that really drives home the whole uh, picture.
3: This theater, as you
1: say, kind of adds to that going out experience unless you want to grow one of those mustaches and make the drink for yourself in the mirror like (laughs) and then drink alone in the dark at home (laughs) well wait you don't do that
0: (laughs) well many hours later it's the the evening now and and, um Smarts is having a uh, private event here uh at Barrick is this what's the name of this place John it's burning 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 burning. and and we're back with Kevin yeah I'm back who's already but he's He's he, he's he cleaned inviting. up? He
3: cleaned up? He's, he's cleaned came, up? Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> and, uh, uh, So we're looking at a bowl, a punch bowl. There are orange slices in here and a huge block of ice.
1: Um, so I don't know what the concoction is, Kevin. But well, this is I a know. Philadelphia Fish House punch. Oh, what is that? Um, well, it's a classic uh, cocktail. Actually, J.B., what's the history of The uh, recipe dates back to 1744.
3: From a uh, colonial days, and then the the bowl kind of resembles that too. So why don't we try some, dude? So like Ben Franklin drank this, yeah, it? he
1: did, yeah. That and a lot of Madeira, but really. Yeah, I mean, you know that for a fact, a historical fact. Absolutely, yeah. Do Our tell. country do was tell. built on Madeira. Uh, there's a great book, Oceans of Wine, that really talks about. Um, the function of Madeira uh, as a colonial beverage. They toasted Madeira when they signed the Declaration of Independence right down the street. Kind of the hot thing nowadays uh, is low alcohol, low ABV cocktails, because people like to try, you know, as people have gravitated more towards tasting menus and share plates, they want to try lots of things. They don't necessarily want to commit to you know, that one big piece of protein in an entree, you know. So with cocktails, it's very similar. If you drink a dry martini, that's three or four ounces of straight spirit, probably 80 proof. Dialing it back, using like spritzes, the white wine spritzer that was once a thing just for the country club and for grandma, like they were onto something. Cutting the alcohol is a really good way to still pack it with tons of flavor. But again, that sessionability is what you're looking for if you've got a big night out. You want to enjoy your company and remember your day or night. Having those style drinks you can prolong the enjoyment a little bit. It's it's like tantric drinking. I learned that from Sting. <laughs> I don't always wanna remember anything. Well, save that for when you're looking in the mirror at home drinking in the dark. <laughs> when you're out amongst the uh, rest of the animals yes. you got to keep your wits about you're, you a little bit you, you really do you really do they come at you from all angles so
3: <laughs> it's being billed as the cathedral of saloons pj clark's rice Round and bar officially opened its doors in philadelphia at 6th and Walnut Streets. It's in the Curtis Center. There are three P.J. Clarks in New York City and one in D.C. The place is huge, right,
0: John? Yep. The bar area has flat-screen TVs. It's elegant but comfortable with dark wood elements, uh, leather sofas and chairs, and oriental rugs. There
3: is a raw bar and several restaurant sections. Paul and I pulled up a stool at the bar to find out about the beverage program. Now uh, the beverage
0: experts here. Right?
3: Yes, experts. My floor.
0: Frank. Frank Kenyon. Yeah.
3: yeah. Great. So nice. what is your what is your official title here? I'm the assistant general manager. Okay, great. And, and uh, I'm the beverage manager. Pairing is essential. You need to You got to complement one another, the food and the beverage. Correct. Correct. And so, how um, how do you think it does uh, as far as a, a beverage standpoint?
5: I would say you know we're a seafood raw bar driven menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we have a really great selection of white wines that pair really well with all that. Um, Gruner Veltliner, Sauvignon Blancs, uh, Chardonnays. And I think all that kind of goes really well with uh, oysters, ceviche, scallops, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. You have the flip side. So you have an extensive menu of burgers, like really classic American fare. And, I, you know, that's kind of where the really expanded... Uh, in-depth local craft beer program comes in handy.
0: That's where I was going. What, what, tell me uh, what, your, what your plans are for that.
5: Really extensive draft selection of local products. We're going to have a few surprises that we're shipping in exclusively. A good amount of domestic stuff and local stuff in bottle as well. Um, a good cider selection, three or four different ciders, just because we feel like that's a category that kind of gets brushed at the side. Yeah. How many taps? Uh, 12 to 16, fully functional, yeah. Wow, that's, that's pretty big. It's, that's, a, it's that's a good, good draft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and bottles too. We'll have- and bottles, bottles on top of that.
1: Um, so as far as the spirit side, so we feature some classic cocktails, Manhattan, Negroni, but some of the more interesting things are kind of variations or takes on those old classics. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel.
5: We really want to specialize in gin here, as well as uh, having a nice whiskey selection because we feel like gin is going to be the next market. There's so much intricacy in gin and all the different uh, producers and distillers and we want to really feature that. So we've partnered up with Fever Tree Tonic to supply us with a full line of just artfully made tonics with a lot of depth and complexity. And then we're going to match that with a really extensive gin selection.
3: So you just said something that I just actually realized with my own taste buds, like not to, like a few days ago. I noticed that the tonic I had was really sugary. And I'm like, I asked the bartender, I said, it's really sweet. Is, is, you have a different one? And you go, no, it's the same one. It's There is no other
5: types of tonic.
3: There are, aren't there?
5: <laughs> There's a lot of different types. Our selection alone in tonics specifically, we have a uh, fever tree Indian, uh, Mediterranean. We have an elderflower, uh, bitter lemon, uh, classic tonic, and then we have aromatic, which has a little touch of Angostura bitters in it. How important is the tonic? How it's that- actually very important because you have a whole wheel of different flavors for gin. You know, you Excuse have me, herbal- John's
0: patting himself on the back <laughs> for asking that very intelligent question. So proceed.
5: <laughs> you have a whole wheel of just different flavor types with gin. You have herbal, botanical, you have things that are more juniper driven you have things that are more vegetal driven and all that stuff can be paired with unique tonics it doesn't have to be one tonic for all and i think that's an area we can really excel at uh,
3: and uh, this is the first i'm hearing of this i can't believe yeah you saw,
5: this is really cool, cool.
0: learning something again i
3: imagine that
0: I may pivot back to the beer for a moment, mm-hmm. you said you're going to have a couple surprises. I'm yeah, really yeah, we're intrigued that you. Look at the you're smile gonna...
5: on his face. I know. <laughs> I don't,
3: I don't
0: you want, want to, to give
5: him up? I don't feel too much, but um, we do Damn. have some exclusive stuff coming into the market that will just be available here. And then, uh, oh. oh, wow. Like for mm-hmm. s- somewhere else in the country or uh, somewhere else in the world? Um, in- somewhere else in the country. S- okay. Somewhere else in the country. Ah. Somewhere else um, on the East Coast. <laughs> T.J. Clark's Happy
3: Hour runs 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. during the week. Selected beers are $5, There are $6 wine, and $7 cocktail specials, too. The Food Network's Guy Fieri has a restaurant bar inside Harris, Philadelphia Casino in Chester. It's called Guy Fieri's Philly Kitchen and Bar, and the bar offerings are lengthy. From craft beers to wines to signature cocktails, like the Caliente Margarita. Austin Sweet Tea, and the Tattooed Mojito. I have to make the drinks that work with inside of my style of food, my energy. I want creative,
6: I want fun, but I want, I want drinks that are relatable. It can really partner and pair with what we're serving. That's, that's the key, right? Exactly. I mean, that,
3: that's the but key. also
6: give them a little variety, because not everybody's like you and I just drinking Jack and Cokes. Right, right. <laughs> which, which, by the way, for everybody listening, that is an enormous Jack and Coke he just finished. <laughs> that was a huge one.
3: Three gulps. There were no Jack and Cokes. Guy was just kidding. Besides, I hate soda. Thanks for doing this, sir. Absolutely, brother. So, uh... Oakland Raiders. Oh, oh I thought you were gonna ask who's my favorite team. That's tough talk <laughs> around Philly, by the way. So true. You've been open here for for a little two bit. years. Two <laughs> years.
6: It's. I was just telling. We just drove in, and one of our one of our new guys on the team. I asked him. I said, "You've been to Philly before?" And he said, "No." And I said, "Man, I remember the first time I came to Philly. I came here to shoot diners, drivings, and dives, and I just remember going. So much has happened in this city. So many. I mean, there's just so many historical moments. There's so many historical places." And I said, man, one day I'd love to open a restaurant here. And it was just kind of, you know, it just shoot my mouth off thinking, wouldn't that be a great thing? Because Philly fans, you guys have got great food. You've got uh, great culture. uh, People really appreciate food. It's a super food town. And it was five, six years later. And I got a call. They said, hey, would you be interested in doing a restaurant over at, uh, over with the Harris team? And we do, you know, of course, we have a great relationship with them in Vegas. And I'm like... You don't even have to ask me twice. You're in Atlantic City, too, right? Yeah, we're in AC as well. We're in AC as well in Baltimore. And uh, I just, you know, and it's a great team that we work with. And the thing that I was so happy about is I knew that when we talked about doing the concept here at the casino, and I didn't even know it was coming with the horse racing, which I love because I'm a horse racing fan. And I thought, and I I just said, this will be something, this will be a milestone. And it sure has
3: been. You you can't divulge this. that's, That's cool. But your show... Right. All right, how do you get the car from place to
6: place to place? Well, it's a a blow-up. It's an inflatable car, and it has an engine noise. Now, uh, believe it or not, there's a guy, um, we have one of our team members that's on the road, almost 365, hauling that car. That's cool. Now, the cars right now is back in Santa Rosa, where I live in Northern California, and the trailer has to have new brakes and wheel bearings put in it at least, you know, every eight, nine months because of the back and forth. And we don't have a, like, there's not a rhyme or reason. We don't say, like, hey, we're going to start in New York and we'll slowly work our way from the East Coast to the West Coast. We'll shoot in the West Coast this weekend and next weekend we'll be in Detroit. And then we'll be down in Miami, you know, so there's a, I don't know if I can drink all of this so I'll just, <laughs> if not, I'll share half <laughs> with John. Okay, I'll be able to, John, I'll mm, drink it. the Fiji, I appreciate the that. some water or anything? No, fine, thank you. I don't. I, I don't know. I'm gonna finish it. Maybe a, a sharpie so I can put my name on it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank she
6: you. We just mark that with a T. That's, That's when you get.
3: Hilarious. There you go. <laughs> that is. Hilarious. I like that flavor, town. Very very funny. Uh, so uh, we also have a, uh, a podcast called the Beer and Booze Bros with a Z we go, it's kind of like that, kind of the- Z-Boys. Yeah, yeah I've heard right. of that. Right, right. <laughs> but, uh, so, you have amazing uh, cocktails as well, especially right. cocktails. Right, come up with them, your team come up with them. Uh- it,
6: listen, when it comes to cocktails, I am I'm probably the most, uh, I'm the simplest guy you met. I mean, I am a uh, beer drinking, whiskey drinking, wine I've got a little bit more insight with but when it comes to cocktails we brought it but there's a great guy named Manny Hanosa and Manny's a good friend of mine I've known Manny forever and I met Manny in the craziest of stories at a at a at a uh, gray goose vodka competition in San Francisco late one night and he looks at me with a bunch of other gray goose people I didn't know who anybody was and they go hey you look like you have a good, you want to go to France in uh, 6 days To go to the Great Goose Factory, and I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. (laughs) Next thing I know, I'm on a plane. And I mean, this is right when I got on the Food Network. But Manny has been a big inspiration um, to us in this, because Manny stays real contemporary with what's going on.
3: So, uh, beer wise, yeah, beer, you,
6: you, you, well, Everything. Everything. <laughs> I, I come from the land of great beer. Yeah. I live in, uh, I live, in live in Northern California, so of course we have. I mean, everything started there from from Anchor Steam to Sierra Nevada to Lagunitas to uh, I think everybody you know, everybody knows Russian River now For sure. and what plenty they the do. Younger, yeah, the plenty of the younger exactly. Yeah, and stuff. and those guys are. Um, I mean, it's just awesome to be in that environment. Okay. But I got to be honest, I'm a pretty simple beer guy. I don't think I ever left college. Uh, in terms of my beer taste, you know, I, you, you give me something that's super cold and is not going to make me feel like I just ate a loaf of bread and I'm probably a little bit better. But do I enjoy a really good beer? Absolutely. Especially handcrafted. Anything that somebody makes and you know. See, it's all it's, it's like listening to music. Whenever you can go see music live, well, let me get that out of the yeah, way lady. for you. He's throwing silverware around the restaurant right now and causing, <laughs> raising, raising, really raising hell. Um. But do you think anybody handcrafts? Yeah. I mean, that's what it just gets. It's like, you know, people are looking at their carbs they're eating these days, and I'm like, at least, listen, at least you got to eat it if it's been handmade. Like the bu- the pretzel buns that we use here at the restaurant. Locally made, handmade, you can't
3: beat it. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you. Let's talk about your food real quick. Uh, change the menu a little bit. Seasonal, or? Yeah, the thing is with the menu.
6: Oh, this is me jumping out of the airplane. That was oh, the worst gross. thing it's the dumbest thing I've ever done.
3: So, are you just do you just work all the time? Like I see you everywhere. Yeah, I work a lot. I yeah. work a lot. But you, you know that. Oh yeah. I mean, what else do
6: you do? Yeah. You know. I don't think...
0: Eastern State Penitentiary in the Fairmount section of Philly is an abandoned prison and historic landmark. The nonprofit is holding its biggest fundraiser of
3: the year, Terror Behind the Walls. It's six haunted houses in one. They have several add-ons to the Haunted House experience, including a speakeasy. It's a good place for the 21 and over crowd to calm nerves. Right outside the cell where real-life gangster Al Capone was incarcerated. He was arrested in 1929. So it costs $10 on top of your tickets to Terra
0: Behind the Walls. So your first drink is included. There's a tarot card reader and other activities.
3: Yeah, and a cabaret show. I spoke with one of the singers, a ghoulish flapper, who was in character the whole time. Mmm. Mmm. Now, you're... I mean, I guess, I don't know, you look great.
2: Well, thank you, my darling. It's moisturizer and gin, mostly. Just drink the gin, and then put the moisturizer on, and also, the more I drink, the better I look, and the better, the more you look, the more, wait, I'm sorry, I've had a few drinks. Yeah, yeah. I can't get it together. (laughs) I I apologize. So you're
3: Esther, right?
2: I am Esther. Esther
3: St. Clair. Esther St. Clair. And um, you have a beautiful voice. Oh,
2: thank you, my darling. Unfortunately,
3: in this digital era, there's something called copyrights. And we can't really hear you sing. But they got to take my word, you are absolutely amazing. Oh,
2: well, thank you, my darling. Do you hear that? Millions, legions of new fans. Pay attention to this man. He knows what he's talking about.
3: What type of music do you sing?
2: I'm a cabaret singer, my darling. I do it all.
3: Flapper? Is that fair to say?
2: Yes, I'm a flapper. I am a flapper. Flapper's the cat's pajamas with the bee's knees. We're very in vogue. We gotta have the peroxide's hair, the locks done just so. We nice. get the egg cuts, just a lot of fringe.
3: You look great. And
2: just everything slicked and perfect. My and,
3: and so I do this thing. It's called a podcast. So podcast is like something. We are the beer and booze bros, basically. I know that probably is really foreign to you. Can you tell me about spirits, like? the paranormal and as well as the the environment.
6: Oh,
2: my two favorite things. Spirits and spirits. Well, being a spirit myself, I'm very connected. So, they tend to speak through me. They really like to mess with our bands here. Often they become possessed. They will just play whatever strikes their fancy. We could be in the middle of a song, and all of a sudden, another song that I never requested, but I have to control the rage and keep it inside. I just... I let the spirits channel the anger through my voice, and then and then an actual spirit drink helps.
3: For sure, you were saying gin moisturizer. Oh yes, you pay commoner. attention, oh, man. That pays everywhere. attention,
2: I love it, my every daughter.
3: Everywhere, listen everywhere. Uh, the other thing is, um, so you know, I guess people, you, you, the, the humans, the living, could could calm their nerves after going through. This amazing attraction. Yes. attraction. You feed off their your audience. Oh though, right? absolutely.
2: I feed off their souls. I feed off their energy. It is just absolutely the cat's pajamas. They, Maybe an
3: arm or a leg? Oh,
2: we, I, I mostly stick to the bones. I like to just nibble on the bones, I you understand. know. And yes. that kind of gal. You gotta watch the figure sometimes, for you know. Sure. That's why liquid lunch for me a lot of the time. Yeah. But so people love the giggle juice. You know, they get spooked up real good, they come through our doors, and they just wanna Get down with that giggle juice, my darling. People should come see you, right? Yes, my darling, at the speakeasy lounge at Al Capone's cell here at Eastern State Penitentiary. Are you ever running now? Oh no, Al. I don't know that Al and I would get along too hot. I do sometimes reference him in a call and response. But he's never responded I to see. my singing.
3: Well, you're amazing. And, oh. and I'm going to come back and and cheer you on. And thank you very thank
2: much. Thank you, my darling. Such a pleasure to Likewise. meet
3: you. Oh, I'm you. sorry. You, you're you such a lady. You turn your hand. and I am know. a
2: lady. Esther St. Clair is a lady. You heard it here first. Thanks. So oh, my dog. Wow,
5: you're listening
2: to me. I don't know
4: why. I'm just going your... well, to look Maybe
6: you're. see what happens. <laughs>
2: So we're gonna do a little two-step number. This is a number called Buy Me A Biff Duchesne, my darling. So you can act like you like one another, get off your feet and cut a rug, okay? Does that sound good? Let me tell you a story about Minnie the Moocher. Let me tell you a story about Minnie the Moocher. You got it.
4: She was a dog.
2: More of you would like to
3: say but maybe it's just me well that's it we'll have another round of beer and booze bros real soon you can find and subscribe to the beer and booze bros on the radio.com app apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast beer and booze bros is on twitter at the beer bros that's a z at the end
0: you can find me paul kurtz on twitter backwards at kurtz paul John McDevitt is
3: at JM1060. And he's the cat's pajamas and the bee's knees all in one. Tom Ricker helped produce this episode of Beer and Booze Bros. you
4: hear that? Pay attention to this name. He knows what he's talking about. Why is New Jersey different?
3: Tom is on Twitter at T-Rick. Give him a little love. Cheers, Johnny. Cheers. Cheers. Oh.